Hello and welcome to Destination Draft Day, your one-stop shop for all things NFL, college football, and NFL Draft. I'm your host, Michael Rockman, joined by Nick Durst. Nick, how was your weekend? Michael, weekend was good. It's getting really nice out, which is awesome as we're heading to summer here. And I'm excited to uh, to be talking some football here today. How was your weekend? It's going pretty well. You know, nice weather here as well. Nice to get some hot weather. I was able to go swimming for the first time of the year, so that was really nice. And uh, just going to look to keep building on that. More swimming weekends and more uh, enjoyment of hot weather, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. For sure. But we got a lot to cover here today, Michael, so might as well just get right into it. Absolutely. You know, first and foremost, we want to talk about some of the NFL news going around. Nick Mullins signing with the Philadelphia Eagles. That's going to be an interesting one. Now, obviously, Jalen Hurts is going to get his first swing at being that starting QB, but it was kind of talked about how the Eagles were a team that could very easily look for a backup quarterback. A guy like Nick Foles, who maybe had the history, was on way too expensive of a contract. Nick Mullins, though, semi-proven, some nice success in San Francisco's offense. Could you see Mullins making a push for that quarterback job? I don't think he's going to start the season, but I mean, there's, I think there's a great chance you see him in there. Uh, obviously, well, they didn't go for the full direction we thought, but I think you know Mullins. He he had he's had success success uh, starting in the NFL with with the 49ers right before they got grappled. Everyone thought, oh, he'd be great. Uh, but I think right now he's going to be third on the depth chart. I do think Joe Flacco will be ahead of him. Yeah, I think that's definitely a very possible situation. Another situation going on, some extensions happened over the weekend. Danielle Hunter just signed today with the Minnesota Vikings, moving around some money in order to really help things out. Or maybe it's just reworking of the deal. And then Jerome Baker signed an extension with the Miami Dolphins, underrated linebacker in the league that has really been a Great piece for Flores' defense, despite maybe not fitting the size requirements. And then Stephon Gilmore, looking for a new deal, is planning on skipping minicamp. The Patriots will have to decide if they are planning to find him or not. Looking for more money, apparently supposed to make around $7 million for this upcoming season. You know, obviously these contracts are a big deal, but with a guy like Gilmore, injuries last season kind of hampered the overall season for him. Do you think that a new deal is going to come into play, or do you think that the Patriots are just going to kind of let him go into the free zone eventually? I think they are going to trade him this this season by the trade deadline, which is what Belichick always does, whether he's sending him to the Cardinals, which is usually the Browns. Something's going to happen where Belichick will flip Gilmore for a bunch of draft picks and – about the the Patriot way is that the Patriots wouldn't miss a beat, but uh, I mean Gilmore is still playing at a high level. He's still one of the, the better secondary players. In the league. Yeah, I absolutely hope we keep Gilmore because when he was healthy, fully healthy, I think he's playing at a great level. Him and J.C. Jackson is one of the best cornerback duos in the NFL, and I feel as though you know if they are planning on letting Gilmore go, then it would have been smart to bring in guys like Jason McCourty or bring in someone in the draft. Uh, at the cornerback position. So hopefully Gilmore is Patriot for the season after that. You know, we'll see what happens. I'd love to see him here finish out his career, but I know as a uh, as someone who follows the Patriots, that's very unlikely just given Bill's history. 
But today we are going to be talking about the ACC, all things about it, whether you wanted to look at it from an NFL draft perspective or just a regular college football perspective. We got you covered here on Destination Draft Day. Again, Nick Durst, Michael Rockman here to dive into all things ACC. First and foremost, though, we're going to talk about it from a draft perspective, and that is the top prospects at each position for the ACC, according to me, Michael Rockman. So let's dive in. Rockman's ratings. Here we go. <laughs> at quarterback, we got Sam Howell, someone who's been considered one of the consensus top picks at the quarterback position. I really love his hips. I think he is a very quick mover, and I think he has shades of Dak Prescott to his game. North Carolina, obviously, going to be missing out on a lot of weapons. Javante Williams, Michael Carter, Deami Brown, and Daz Newsom all headed to the NFL. So Sam Howell is going to have to shoulder the load. Rather than being the young guy in the offense, he is now propelled to the really veteran leader of this offense. Can he take that next step? It's going to be huge for his draft stock. And if he does it, we could be talking about Sam Howell at number one. At the running back position, Zonovan Knight is the guy to talk about. And, you know, there's plenty of guys in this conference that could be talked about as the top running back. But for me, I go with Zonovan Knight. Uh, there's guys like Cameron Harris, Lynn J. Dixon out of Clemson. There's plenty of options, but Zonovan Knight offers a nice frame, nice power, and what I like most about him that separates him from other ACC backs is his ability to accelerate into the second level. Absolutely huge running backs to really get up and get consistent yardage, and Zonovan Knight, I think, does it better than anyone. At the wide receiver spot, probably a little bit of a surprise compared to some of the other hyped guys like Justin Ross and other top ACC receivers, but I'm going with Zay Flowers, wide receiver out of Boston College, an absolute Dominant player at the wide receiver spot. Great in the slot. Can work outside. Needs to add a little bit to his frame. You know, currently a little bit undersized. But I think he is absolutely a beast at the wide receiver position. You saw it last year with Devonta Smith. Size isn't going to just hold back great receivers. I'm not saying Zay Flowers is Devonta Smith. But I'm saying he is a great receiver despite his thin frame. And he's going to continue dominating the ACC as we go along. Again, other names to watch out for. Justin Ross is a dominant wide receiver that could very well be a first-round pick when we're looking at this in the future. I like Mike Harley out of Miami. He's a little bit older, but I think there's absolutely potential there. There's some guys on Pittsburgh that I think could absolutely contribute in great ways if they get you know some more experience under their belt. And then there's some great receivers on Wake Forest as well, talking about Donovan Green and Jaquiski Robertson. Both are – or Roberson, sorry. Both, I think, are Jaquari Ro Roberson, sorry. There we go. Um, I think both are definitely some sleeper prospects. They offer great yards after catchability. And really, that Wake Forest team is a little bit underrated in terms of just overall productivity at the running back spot for Wake Forest as well. They offer Cameron Beale-Smith, which I think is someone that is a little bit shiftier than some of your ordinary college running backs. At tight end, we got Will Mallory. And again, this is another spot that you can look around the conference and see some other great talents. But for Mallory himself, he's got great frame. Great movement ability, offers tremendous size, and also it's one of those things where Miami has just consistently been turning out top tight ends. Even with Brevin Jordan on the team, Will Mallory was able to contribute. Even in games where Brevin was playing and healthy, Will Mallory was able to contribute. At 6'5", 245, Will Mallory is going to enter this season with plenty to offer for that team, and Miami is going to rely on him heavily. Again, talking about some of the other guys in this conference, James Mitchell out of Virginia Tech is a production beast, probably someone that gets a lot of love whenever we really dive into the season. Braden Galloway out of Clemson is a top tight end in this class. And you also have to look around at like 
teams like Louisville where they have Marshawn Ford at tight end, who really is probably going to be one of the more productive guys in the conference. In terms of his draft stock, we'll see what happens, but I think he's definitely someone that will get a lot of love as well. On the offensive line, I'm going Ike McWanu. The top consensus guy is Zion Nelson, offensive tackle out of Miami. But for me, I just don't see the fluidity for a guy that is that undersized at the position already. So I'm going with Ekwanu, obviously very undeveloped, untapped in terms of what his potential is, but I think there's still a lot to offer as a player on the offensive line, a great tackle, and someone that I think could very well rise up board, similar to Darisaw, probably not the same level of player, but just someone that I think will get more and more love as the season goes along, and Ekwanu could very well be a great draft pick when the time comes. Nick, do you have any guys on the offensive side of the ball for the ACC that you're looking for this year? Listen, I, I think Sam Howell is – he's got a chance to be the top pick in the draft. Uh, I think he's going to have a tremendous season. We'll see. Obviously, when you lose not one but two running backs, you got to adjust. So that might actually help him, though, Michael. I think that looking at this season, the, the Tar Heels are probably going to look to throw a little more just because they're going to be having – underclassmen there at running back. How do you feel about UNC's wide receiving core or just the targets in general for how this season? Yeah, so they added Ty Chandler out of Tennessee into that backfield that I think will be a nice veteran presence. According to the rumors out of camp, the North Carolina running back room has been fairly muddled outside of that. I think Chandler's going to be the lead back. Uh, at the wide receiver spot, you know, Coffrey Brown should be able to really offer some Nice ability. I also really like what I saw out of Emer out of Emory Simmons on tape. And Josh Downs has been getting some love as well. It's young receivers. So obviously, if they find success, Sam Howell is going to be a big part of that and is going to have to really shoulder the load in terms of leadership on this offense. But I do like that the offensive line has gotten a lot more in terms of experience because they a lot of them are returning for another season as starting QBs or starting linemen. Sorry. And then Sam Howell, you know really works well with a clean pocket, and I think that's going to be absolutely huge for North Carolina. Young receivers, young young backfield outside of Chandler, but I really do believe that Sam Howell is good enough to where we're going to see some great plays out of this North Carolina offense. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I want to spotlight here, Zay Flowers. Uh, a lot of times with with, with uh, Boston College, the, the skill positions get overlooked. Uh, they're more known for the linemen, specifically the offensive linemen, and, of course, Matt Ryan. But uh, Flowers, he's going to be a junior, and I think he, he's poised for a big season. Yeah, absolutely. I think that Boston College team has a lot of promising pieces. Phil Dracovich is someone that I may not be as high on as a prospect, but a lot of people are very high on when it comes to their uh, projection for him in the NFL. The offensive line is improving with each season, I think they're adding a lot of great talent. Zion Johnson is one of my favorite linemen in the ACC. And they have guys like Vrabel and Lindstrom as well on that offensive line to really be solid contributors at the college level. You know, a lot of people will look at teams and just say, oh, what prospects do I like? And that's going to determine how they do in college. A lot of guys are great at college regardless of what they are going to be in the NFL. So don't get too stuck up on that. You know, and you look at what Boston College has. There's a lot of great college football players on this team. Uh, David Bailey in the backfield is going to be a great running back this year. The big question mark for Boston College, in my opinion, 
is just what happens with that defense. A lot of great pieces that are now lost just due to, you know, players leaving for the pros, Max Richardson, Isaiah Duffy. There's going to be McDuffie. Sorry. There's going to be some losses that are going to have to be overcome for that Boston college team. But really, I think there's going to be a lot of promising play and a lot of great players that are stepping into Boston college for another year of experience that will carry them into a very solid season. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be, and we're going to talk about it a little bit, but it's, it's going to be a really good division here. ACC typically known for basketball, but their, their football programs are maybe arguably at, at an all time high right now uh, outside of, Florida State, who seems to have regressed over the years. Absolutely. Now looking at the defensive side of things, at defensive line, we got Tyler Davis, the star defensive tackle for Clemson, a junior, going to be highly touted as we enter the season. Talked about as a potential first-round draft pick. Obviously, the big question mark is will he continue to improve his play? A phenomenal defensive line in Clemson with former Defensive Player of the Year, Brian Breesey, who is a true sophomore. So he should be in for a great season. Miles Murphy on the outside should be in for a big season. Tyler Davis going to add to that as well. If you are a quarterback or offensive line or running back going against that Clemson front seven, I feel sorry for you because they are going to be tearing up teams all season long. At the edge spot, we got Amari Barno out of Virginia Tech. If you're looking for someone who really offers plenty of length and intrigue. Amari Barno has really put together some great seasons for Virginia Tech. At 6'6", 235 pounds, he had six and a half tackles for loss and 16 or six and a half sacks, 16 tackles for loss with 43 tackles over the season. He offers great range. I think his discipline needs some work. He's still got to work in terms of hand usage and winning with technique, but he offers great size, great frame, you know, add some weight to him, and I think he's going to really have plenty of potential. Some plays where he really made the wrong read, but he offers such great size that he can just capitalize and make the plays regardless. Look out for Barnos to really rise up boards. There's some other guys in this conference that I really like. Jordan Dominic out of Georgia Tech is a sleeper edge rusher that I'm a fan of, and there's some other players around the league that I think could potentially have a great season. But in terms of draft prospects, there's just not – a huge pool of talent for the ACC position. And unless we see some major changes in that pool, I think it's going to be a little bit lower viewed compared to the rest of the group. But if you're looking for someone that I think will break out, Miami, Florida has a freshman redshirt edge rusher, Jafari Harvey, who I think is going to absolutely tear it up this year. I'm a huge fan of him. I watched him in the spring game and I just thought he was absolutely incredible. Obviously it's spring football. So you know, there's reasons to be hesitant about that. But what I saw from him from snap to snap, I was very impressed, and I'm expecting big things out of him in this upcoming season. At the linebacker spot, look out for Peyton Wilson out of North Carolina State. And really, if you're talking about North Carolina State, you can throw in Isaiah Moore as well, both very talented linebackers, one of the better linebacker duos in the ACC. If you're looking for guys that are really going to contribute at a high level, North Carolina State does it better than anyone. And, you know, Peyton Wilson is someone that I think has great range, great size, about 6'4", really offers so much as a prospect. Still needs to get more disciplined as well. Talked about that with Barno. I think Wilson 
very much is similar, but 11 and a half tackles for loss, 108 tackles over the season in 10 games, two interceptions, a pass deflection, three and a half sacks. This guy does it all. He fills the stat sheet for a reason. He's a great player, and I think he's someone that you're looking at as a day two linebacker that could be a great piece to add into any defensive room across the NFL. At the cornerback spot, we're talking about Andrew Booth out of Clemson. You're looking at someone who really has had limited snaps but still very much capitalizes on it. Two interceptions, four pass deflections. Talking with anyone that watches Clemson, you know, they seem to come away very impressive. Booth, I'm a big fan as well. I think this is going to be a huge season for him as he's going to get more snaps with Darion Kendrick transferring out to Georgia. The opportunity is wide open for Booth to really step up and make himself the solidified cornerback one of this draft class. Don't be surprised if he does it because this guy is absolutely phenomenal. Six foot, 195 pounds, and makes plays with ease, very fluid with his hips, moves around really well, and I like his footwork. I think he's going to be a very strong content, a very strong contention for one of the top corners in this class. And at the safety spot, Bubba Bolden out of Miami, Florida, is going to be someone that really enters the season with plenty of hype. I think he's a very smart player with nice range, works downhill very well. I don't think he's going to be a first-rounder like a lot of people have seemed to mock for him, but I think he's going to be a day-two, day-three pick that is definitely a very solid contributor and a good get for whatever team gets him. He works well. He has nice size. Over the course of Miami's season, he was absolutely huge for their defensive success. You know, obviously there's games that weren't so shiny for Miami, especially that North Carolina game where they gave up as many yards as you could really blink. But six and a half tackles for loss and a sack, one interception, three pass deflections, four forced fumbles last season. That just shows how big of a hitter Bubba Bolden is. And if you're looking at Miami for a team that really returns a lot of senior talent, Bubba Bolden is going to be a key piece for that defense. Michael, some really talented players here. And before we get to the positive here, I mean, obviously Peyton Wilson is a very good linebacker here. Uh, he he was, uh, I guess, his sophomore year of school, his French or freshman year. He was arrested uh, for public intoxication. Uh, something like that. You know, when the it's you're looking back two years now or three years in his case, he's a senior. What you know, what kind of red flags do you think that raises in draft room? Do does does he definitely get questioned on that when he meets with with teams, uh, or is it that at this point it's years later? Maybe they say, all right, we forgive him, um, and we're just going to go straight off the talent here. Oh, teams are going to drill him about it, and I think that's absolutely necessary to the process. Even if in their mind they know, okay, this has been three years, we're going to let it go, they're going to act like they could never forgive it in their life, really drill this guy, make him feel pressured, and see how he responds to it. Because that's the big thing for testing characters, finding out how these guys really respond to negativity in their lives. And if Peyton Wilson gets these questions and he's just very dismissive of it, it's going to turn a lot of teams the wrong way. But if he owns it, if he is responsible for his actions, shows remorse for his actions, and really speaks in a way that shows that he's going to have a much cleaner act as he gets to the NFL, proves that over his past few years he's been clean for his team, then I think that's absolutely huge for him, and it shouldn't play too much of a factor into his draft stock. All right, great answer there. Now, listen, Clemson, their defense, Michael, 
is just looking ridiculous here. Um, you know, now we're getting to the point here where they are becoming, you know, the the heyday of the Les Miles LSU days where they would always say, you know, if you want somebody to go play Sundays in the NFL on, on the defensive side of things, you're going to pick somebody from LSU. Uh, now it just seems every year that these these defensive players from Clemson are just going really high in the draft. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we only have two guys as the top prospects, per se, for their positions, but there are absolutely limitless players that are probably going to be Sunday football players. Landon Zanders out of the safety spot is someone that I'm a big fan of. Sheridan Jones is someone that has already gotten hype out of that cornerback spot. Trenton Simpson is someone who's a true sophomore, but is getting love. You know, Balen Spector is someone that I was very impressed with in some of the games that I watched for Clemson's defense. And, you know, we already talked about Miles Murphy and Brian Breesey, but that doesn't discredit what K.J. Henry is going to bring for this defensive line as well. Another guy that I think could potentially be at least drafted, maybe even signed as an undrafted free agent if that were to happen. But really a lot of these guys are going to get an opportunity in the league and they've earned it. They've put together a great defense, and Clemson's defense this year is going to be scary. Yeah, absolutely, and we'll probably see them in the the college football playoff again. And before we do predictions here, Michael, we got to talk about the fact that, you know, there is a chance, not this season, probably not this season, but the following season, that we're going to have an expansion of the playoffs. I'm getting a little reminiscent here. I, I, I loved our weekly segment of, we got the bubble. Here's the four teams. Here's the outside who's coming. I mean, that was great. But could you imagine the graphic you got to put together if we're going to have a 12 to 14 team playoff? I think that's probably a little too much. Uh, I personally would like to see an eight team playoff. Where would you like to see uh, the college football playoff go from here? Yeah, I mean, the 12 team situation is interesting for sure. I was always someone who was kind of rooting for six team playoff. I feel like that's where you kind of get in those top teams. There's not really left for interpretation, but obviously no matter what you have, there's going to be people that are upset for being left out with the 12 team situation. I am interested in seeing that mostly because it gives the G five an opportunity to really get into the playoff and show their case and really prove themselves as a talented team, whether they are, legit or not a lot of these teams will go undefeated in the g5 and then maybe they win their bowl game and that's it and they're just undefeated with no chance to prove it you're talking about you know teams like central florida teams like houston who just put together these great years but didn't have a chance to really show themselves in the college football playoff and in turn they just always kind of left we're always kind of left with a question mark so now with this opportunity at hand with the college football playoff, I think it's great in terms of we get to see the G5. We get to see some of these teams that maybe lost a game early in the season and then got hot, and now we get to see yeah. if those teams were legit or if it was just an easier schedule. You know, a team like Oklahoma last year struggled early and then really got going and was arguably one of the better teams in the country, but they lost early so they didn't get into the playoffs. I think with this situation, now after a loss, you aren't saying, okay, the season's kind of over. Let's wrap it up. You're now saying, okay, we've still very much are in the playoff picture. We just need to really step up our play. And I think while a lot of people kind of look at this and say, okay, with this 12-team playoff, I'm not sure if a team like Alabama ever misses 
under saving again. Yeah, but at the same time, you're looking at some of these teams are now going to be playing full out 100%, 110% for the rest of the season with one loss compared to, you know, some of these teams that one loss and that was pretty much done for them for the playoff picture. Yeah, I'd like to see some guidelines uh, implemented before this happens. The last thing we want to see is 18 playoff, four teams from the SEC. I think that's not what you want. I think they need to mandate it that uh, the Power Five, each conference winner is in. I mean, that the way you make conference play more important. Um, then you could do a six seed, which would be the best non-Power Five school. Yeah, that's um, the they, two, two at large bits. They uh, they did set that guideline. It was it was. Yep. I think it's officially twelve teams, and it's the top five Power Five uh, schools, and the top four will get the automatic bids, and then top G five team that's uh, ranked, and then after that, it's just at large bids. The only issue with that, and it's one of those things where a lot of people are kind of dismissive of it because of the playoff history is a team like Notre Dame where if they're the best team in the country and they have to get the number five seed, right. it just feels a little bit unfair. Um, I know a lot of people are going to dismiss it by saying, oh, we saw Notre Dame in playoffs get blown out over the past decade or whatever, but that doesn't change the fact that their past shouldn't have any influence on the future. And really, if it, if Notre Dame comes out and is the best team in college football but has to be the five seed in the playoff, that just seems ridiculous to me. Yeah, I would. I would. Th- I think they should just see it based on record. I don't think there's any reason to say that it's go- it goes by conference. Um, but you know, you definitely don't want to see Notre Dame taking away the opportunity for you know a BYU or Coastal Carolina or Cincinnati to to get it. So they got to be careful there with the independents versus the the other conferences. Absolutely. And now we will dive into our ACC predictions for the season. Out of the Atlantic Conference, the prediction for the winner is Clemson. And out of the Coastal, I got North Carolina. I think that Miami is a team that I really enjoyed watching, and I like what they have for this upcoming season. But I can't pick Miami after what happened between North Carolina and Miami last season. So we're going to go with Clemson versus North Carolina. Player of the year, DJ Wigalele, is someone that I think is going to have one of the better offenses in the country, which makes his job extremely easy. Offensive player of the year goes to him as well. You're looking at a guy that has tremendous frame, tremendous ability, and with his wide receiver room with Justin Ross, EJ Williams, Joseph Nagata, Frank Ladson, the the opportunity for DJU is just going to be unlimited. Braden Galloway at the tight end spot, Lynn J. Dixon at running back, and he's ability, he's just a great passer already. But when you give him a tremendous offense, he's going to capitalize on it. At Defensive Player of the Year, I'm going basic. I'm going vanilla. I'm picking Brian Breesey, the winner of it last year. I think he's going to repeat a dominant defensive lineman, going to be talked about as a top five pick whenever his time comes to declare for the draft. And for the ACC champion between Clemson and North Carolina, I have Clemson winning that game, going 13-0 on the season. Big fan of what Clemson has to offer with their defense already. We talked about that, but their offense is very much going to be flowing as well. I understand a lot of people are looking at Clemson to maybe drop back a little bit because Trevor Lawrence is gone. I don't think that happens. They just have so much talent. I know they lost to Notre Dame, and a lot of people are kind of 
using that as their reason to say, oh, you know, Clemson's going to slip a little bit. I, I don't see it. They they just are so healthy this year. And assuming that they continue to remain healthy, this team is going to be stacked. For bowl-eligible teams, though, out of the ACC, I think we're going to see a great season. Getting back to around that 10-game bowl-eligible year, you know, last year eight teams made bowl games. I think this year we're going to see some more. Clemson, North Carolina, North Carolina State with Devin Leary, I think is going to be a very competitive team. I don't think they're going to be good enough to top Clemson, but I think there's absolutely a case to be made that they could be one of the best teams in the ACC, possibly that third or second best team. Miami, Florida with the Eric King coming back, I think will absolutely be a bowl team. Pittsburgh, I think is going to make it as well. Boston College is someone that I think Maybe a little bit overrated, but still I think there's plenty of potential there for them to have a good season and make a bowl game. Wake Forest is someone that I think is being a little underrated. Florida State, Georgia Tech, I think are going to really rise up and get a better season than expected. And then Virginia Tech, I'm a little bit lower on them than a lot of people seem to be, but at the same time, I still think they're a bowl team. Big question mark is what's going to happen at that quarterback position. Braxton Burmeister seems to be the consensus favorite to start at that job, but still some big question marks surrounding that roster with a lot of talent leaving out the door. We'll see what happens though. And we have a comment from the comment section. That Clemson squad is scary from Glock Lesnar. Absolutely. You know, EJ Williams doesn't get enough talk right now in my mind because he, man, he is a menace. He is dominant. 6'3, 190, makes plays nonstop. I understand that there's guys like Justin Ross on the team that's going to get the draft attention but ej williams is someone when he's draft eligible i think he's absolutely going to be a first round wide receiver and right now even at the college level he's one of the better ones in the country that defense though is just absolutely dominant and you know you just see the top end talent right here with just my predictions being clemson players obviously i could be wrong but there's just so much talent here and a great case to be made for both these clemson players to where it's just it's going to be a great season for clemson tigers and i'm really expecting some continued dominance out of Davos swing. Yeah, Michael, I uh, I have to agree with you that Clemson's going to go undefeated here. Um, I mean, they're just head and shoulders better than everybody else. Now, I am also in agreement that North Carolina is going to be playing in the uh, – championship game here uh but it's good it's going to be a really big game when they're taking on the hurricanes because you know the, north carolina is playing notre dame here uh it's not a conference game but does that hurt them um in the long run perhaps so if they lost that game they got to beat miami because i think miami is really the, the other team that could threaten there but i'm going to agree it's clemson unc here uh, i'm going to go sam howe as far as player of the year, offensive player of the year, um, just because I think, uh, you know, with DJ here, uh, I kind of worry in the sense that he's going to have a DeAndre Francois type of season where he came in and replaced Jameis Winston. And, you know, he was ridiculous the first week. And then it's just like, you can't up to the hype. Maybe there's, he's trying to do too much. He gets injured. Francois was just a mess off the field. So, uh, you know, big shoes to fill, tremendous shoes to fill here. Usually any program, when you're trying to fill these shoes, doesn't work. However, Trevor Lawrence did a great job filling Deshaun Watson's shoes. So maybe Clemson just has that secret juice there. But 
I'll agree with you there. Clemson, undefeated, uh, champions of the ACC going into the college football playoff. And let's hope we don't see Clemson versus Alabama again this year because I'm sick of it. <laughs> you know, I think the interesting situation for Clemson is that they play Georgia week one, which should be an absolutely phenomenal week one matchup. Obviously, Georgia, one of the better backfields in college football, JT Daniels at QB. Losing George Pickens, but still plenty of talent on that offense. If Clemson can win that game, I'm not going to say their schedule is just a coast, but I do think that it gets pretty easy from there. South Carolina State, Georgia Tech, North Carolina State, Boston College, Syracuse, Pittsburgh, Florida State, Louisville, UConn, Wake Forest, and South Carolina. You know, there's some games on there that I think could potentially trip them up. I think North Carolina State and Pittsburgh could make those games competitive. But at the same time, Clemson should be a clear favorite in all those remaining games after Georgia to where as long as they stay focused and stay consistent, they should be able to really plow through this schedule and really find themselves undefeated heading into this championship game. North Carolina, though, maybe gets a little bit of an advantage with that. If they've had a little bit of a lighter schedule to finish out this uh, long-term season, maybe North Carolina comes in with a little bit more steam and maybe can take advantage. We saw Sam Howell as a freshman really put together a great performance. Mac Brown put together a great game against Clemson, and they almost upset the Clemson Tigers. We could see now this as a revenge game for Sam Howell, for Mac Brown, to really, uh, to really pull out that upset that maybe people aren't expecting. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see it happen. I mean, really, like you mentioned, Clemson's got Georgia week one, which will be big. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, really, what, maybe they lose to Syracuse again because Syracuse usually plays them tough. They just, uh, you know, they have their number in the sense um, that they can beat them and the game is in the Carrier Dome, which is where we, we saw them have some struggles a few years ago. Other than that, though, you're right. Clemson's just going to roll through uh, their – they're going to easily destroy all Atlantic uh, opponents. Um, the Coastal Conference is, is certainly by far much, much tougher. Yeah, and real quick, before we do move on, I want to talk about some of the key players for some of these teams on the bottom bowl-eligible teams. You know, we talked about Clemson. We talked about North Carolina. North Carolina State, I think, has some great pieces. Devin Leary I talked about a little bit. But even on the other side of the ball, I think there's talent. Corey Durden stepping in at the defensive line spot should be a nice fill-in for uh, Alan McNeil, who someone is going to be greatly missed for North Carolina State. On Miami, we talked about De'Ara King, uh, Harley, and Will Mallory. I think Cameron Harris is a very talented running back. On the defensive side of things, look for some of these guys to really step up and be big pieces because there's a lot of young pieces that are going to be stepping in for this Miami team, and Diaz has really recruited well. You're looking at guys like Nesta Jade Silvera on the defensive line who are the veteran pieces, though. And if they can step up and really help out some of these older or younger pieces, I mean, then really there's plenty of potential. DJ Ivy is someone that I think has plenty of potential at the cornerback spot. Al Blades Jr. is someone that I think could be talked about as a draft prospect when the time comes. If James Williams is on the field, uh, you know, the highly recruited five-star safety 6'5", 218 pounds. If he's kind of dropped down to linebacker while Bubba Bolden holds down the strong safety spot, then we could absolutely see Miami really get some versatility on their defense, really get some momentum going, and hopefully some uh, some better run defense than we saw last year. 
For Pittsburgh, Kenny Pickett is obviously going to be the star of the show for that Pittsburgh team, but there's plenty of potential for this team. The big question mark is how they replace Rashad Weaver and Patrick Jones on the defensive line. I really like Kalaja Kansi at the defensive tackle spot. I think he's a very productive college football defensive lineman. You look at some of the other pieces on this team, and yeah, it's young pieces, but Tasir Mack at wide receiver I think is someone that's going to really contribute for this offense. Vincent Davis obviously going to put together another good running game. Can he improve as a receiver is going to be the big question mark for them. For Boston College, obviously we talked about a lot of their guys already. For Wake Forest, Sam Hartman I think is one of the more underrated QBs at the college football level because of how safe Wake Forest just plays the game of football. They had very limited turnovers overall last year. Uh, Christian Beal Smith is someone that I think is a tremendous runner, really aggressive with his pads, uh, very nice, straightforward power, north and south runner, 5'10", 201 pounds. I think he's in for a big season. On the defensive side of things, you know, they have a lot of youth in that secondary with Nick Anderson, uh, Kalen Carson. You know, there's going to be question marks, but I think Wake Forest is really trending in the right direction, and Coach Clawson is going to have them continuing to build towards that. For Florida State, obviously the big question mark is what's going to happen with Mackenzie Milton or whoever's starting at QB. It seems like Milton will be the guy, but can he overcome what was a gruesome injury back in the day to really put together a great performance for his team? That defense brought in a bunch of transfers. Jermaine Johnson is someone that I'm a big fan of, but also there's guys like Jamie Robinson, Kara Thomas, Kevin Knowles, and Brandon Moore, or not Kevin Knowles, uh, Brandon Moore, sorry. But there's just so many guys. And then, you know, pieces like Amari Gaynor and Robert Cooper coming back, I think is just absolutely huge. I'm a big fan of Jarvis Brownlee Jr. If you're looking for guys a couple years ahead, I think he's someone that is going to be talked about as a legit draft prospect when his time comes to be eligible. But right now, you know, Florida State has some question marks. They have not been playing up to the seminal standard. But if Coach Norvell can really get these transfers to kind of put them in the right direction. Florida State could use this year as a very nice building year to really start trending in the right direction. For Georgia Tech, you know, I'm a huge Jeff Sims fan. I think he's going to be someone that's talked about as a top prospect whenever his time comes to be eligible. Uh, you know, the running back game is is good as well with Jameer Gibbs. The defensive side of things, I'm a big fan of Jordan Dominic, but also I really love this overall secondary. It seemed to be built with almost linebacker-sized cornerbacks. If you love aggressive corners, if you love an aggressive secondary, Georgia Tech's your team to watch for the season because they are absolutely filled with playmakers that are really coming downfield very well. And I'm excited to see what Georgia Tech does. I think Joff Collins is going to really help this team take that next step. And Jeff Sims will be talked about as a much in a much better light as we continue on. And Georgia Tech, I think, you know, a little bit of a sleeper pick. They seem to be viewed as a team that's going to be lower in the ACC, but I really do think they're going to be a lot higher up and really get into a bowl picture as the time comes. And for the last team, Virginia Tech, obviously Braxton Burmeister is going to kind of be the big question mark for this team. Can he help take this team to that level? With Hendon Hooker out, they now have some very impressive wide receivers and tight end. James Mitchell is going to be a star. You know, the running back room is filled with talent and the defensive side of things I really like what Amari Barno brings to the table, but also there's some pieces in the secondary with Jermaine Waller and other pieces as well that are going to contribute for this team 
Virginia Tech is a team that I'm a little bit lower on compared to the consensus, but there's still plenty of talent. And I could be very wrong to where you're looking at this team as one of the top teams in the ACC when it really is all said and done. Still for the ACC, there's going to be plenty of injuries as we head into the season. Plenty of teams that really are looking to build in the right direction. While there were some great teams out of the ACC last year, it was a bit of a down year for some of the middling teams. A lot of teams really ended the season with a losing record, and that's not what you want to see out of the ACC. But there is plenty of talent this year. If you're keeping an eye on it, we'll be here to talk about it here on Destination Draft Day. Obviously, all things ACC, all things, college, all things NFL, all things NFL Draft. That's what you get here. Uh, that's all we got for today, a little bit shorter of an episode, but really we feel like we covered it all. I'm Michael Rockman, joined by Nick Durst. We appreciate everyone in the comment section, everyone that tuned in today, and we appreciate LandryFootball.com for the platform. We'll see you on Friday where we talk about the Big Ten. Be sure to bring your questions because we're ready to talk about it. Enjoy your week and take care.